0: Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. In this episode, we answer the question, is the church only concerned about you and your money? And how do we as gospel people respond to this question? Let's get salted. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. This is Dan. Dan. Also known as Dollar Bill Dan. Yep. And uh, D-Money. That's right. Back D- in the
1: hood. Money. That's what they call
0: me. Yeah. Uh, back in the trailer park. Yes, sir. D-money. Out of the streets. Out of the streets. And uh, you'll realize that it's important that D-Money here is here today <laughs> to discuss on this episode because we are talking about money. And we're talking, we're kind of answering the question, does the church only want your money?
1: Which is, which is a reasonable... Um, perspective I think of people in our culture right they're looking in listening in they've had experiences in our culture and and the perception is is I think it's obvious that for a lot of people the perception is churches are about money and they only want your money yes they're about removing you from your funds <laughs> and right. putting it in their own coffers Separate, correct
0: yeah. And um, and then also at the end of this, you'll hear a little bit about the cashless society of Starbucks and our personal preferences about whether, ca- cash. would we call you Dollar Dan? Whether Dollar Dan likes to use cash, <laughs> credit card, Listen, or as he I don't know if I want to be Dollar Dan.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I want to be Dollar Dan. You know why? Well, you got a dollar bill it's just, tattoo on your arm. But it's just know. a. But it's just a dollar. Oh. It feels so small.
0: Well, if you had a name. Let's start with a B. We could call it like yeah. Benjamin Ben or or billion. billion Billion. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, next time you see or interact with Dollar Dan, D Money. Yeah, he, be careful. He might make it rain dollar bills. So, so uh, yeah. Anyways, the <laughs> we're answering the question: Does the church only want my money? Which is, like you said, it seems like a legitimate concern. Yeah. It's a massive concern and yeah. probably a, a legitimate concern. It's
1: based on people's experiences, right? Yeah, what they've seen and
0: yeah and money i mean money is yeah it's not like it's a small little thing in our lives right money plays a really important central role in a lot of the things that you and i and probably you our listener do or the things that you can or cannot do and so um it's not like everyone is kind of touched by the money conversation and jesus talks about money a lot um and churches um talk about money a lot and it's also weird for us to talk about money um like this because being church leaders you know the the farthest thing from the, that we want to do is to make people think like, hey, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you should be giving your money to the church. So we're gonna s- sneakily ask the question: Do churches only want your money just so that we can get your money? Um, that's something Dollar Bill Dan would do back in the streets, but <laughs> not today. Dollar not Pastor Bill. Dan. So. That's right. Life change. Yep. Um. So we're gonna we'll talk a little bit about that, but um. You know, I think the church has a bit of a money perception problem. Um, Lots of people ask that question, does the church only want my money? Um, But before we get to the church specifically, let's, I mean, it's probably good to kind of zoom out and say, well, what kind of, like, how does, how do Americans handle money when it comes to living generously and giving um, to what would be maybe considered charities and nonprofits? How How do Americans actually handle their money in terms of giving it generously? And um, well, here is a trick question, or here you are, dollar bill, Dan. So you'll know this. Um, I am going to stop making that joke now. So <laughs> if you hear some, some, some kerfuffle, listen. Dan has jumped across the table and is <laughs> starting to beat
1: me. If for people so. who don't know, because it's, I mean, clearly there is some listeners who don't know me well or don't <laughs> or yeah. don't listen very uh, often. Um, so they would they would uh, perhaps not sense the sarcasm, in yeah, the considering is, yeah. that I grew up in garage sales and continue right. to be an avid thrifty yeah. shopper. And
0: if you ever had the joy of going out <laughs> to lunch with Dan, he's happy to split a,
1: like a KFC meal with you that he's buying with a coupon. <laughs> so. Yeah, so there's supposed to be some humor in the irony. Yes, yeah, so hopefully you're catching that. Yeah. Um,
0: so Dan, um, what do you think are the three most generous cities in america just in general
1: i'm going to say they're in the south and i am going to say that they are um probably conservative and i'm going to say that they're probably big city i'm going to guess birmingham alabama oh wow real specific thank you that's true
0: most people probably think the south right because people are like there's some southern hospitality even probably the bible belt kind of fits into it and kind of the um yeah like the christian giving but actually it's weird it's uh it's actually it's weird it's three of them are all in idaho What? pocatella idaho falls <laughs> and jackson idaho
1: hey shout out to idaho today yeah everybody. for all our idaho listeners <laughs> That's
0: right. remember north central church as you <laughs> know <I'm just> <laughs> um, cr- people in these cities uh specifically christians give an average of just under eighteen thousand dollars uh to charity annually wow which is a lot. Um, so, evidently, there's one extraordinarily wealthy person who lives in those. That's that literally, area.
1: literally what I was thinking. Yeah.
0: Um, or family. Yeah, exactly. A or family. Of... Yep. Yep. Um, surprisingly, Las Vegas, which is often called Sin City, is the second with a rate of really? $10,400 a You're annually. kidding me. That's yeah. a
1: real surprise. Yeah.
0: As, yeah. I guess there's a hotel casino connoisseur who is giving his money away. Yeah. But, um, maybe Win it give it and it, give, give it, it. it. Yeah, that's, right. that's right how do i how do i make this <laughs> ill-gotten gains uh holy um sanctify it sanctify it yep um contrarily uh america's largest cities you actually you actually guessed a larger city Birmingham's not in a large city but it's a, kind of a city center um uh contrarily americans largest cities did not make it onto the list of the top 50 uh that means um On average, in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, Phoenix, Philadelphia, give less than $3,300 per year. So um, the big city places, not necessarily as generous with their cash. Um, And so the question is, you know, when we use we kind of use the word generosity for this and I think probably there's there's actually some differences generationally in terms of way the way people perceive generosity because sometimes we talk we're talking about money specifically, but when we talk about living generously, not everybody immediately equates that to financial generosity. yeah and there's some. Um, pretty distinct generational differences and we, we love these generational differences don't we You know, um, and we like to bash certain younger generations and say they're not like us um, but we're not going to do that we're just going to take
1: a look at some nice It uh, is fascinating Joan, how every topic every time we are researching and all of our conversations kind of eventually discover that a lot of what people are experiencing is categorized can be categorized by their demographic sure, their totally. age demographic yeah right? it's fascinating
0: it's a yeah it, i mean a lot of times we, we may think that's overblown but it is it's pretty real yeah um so so here's this is uh, some research by barner group and here's a generational differences in terms of how people define generosity and what's the what's the which kind of generosity do they gravitate to um so um the idea of service, right? Acts of service um, is, a, is an idea of generosity. Um, evidently, emotional support is a category that people perceive as an act of generosity. And then money, money was the third of all people. So, so service was number one, the most um, kind of recognized and strongly associated with generosity. Emotional support was number two. Money, giving your money was number three. Hospitality was number four. And gifts, giving gifts was number five. So I thought that was very strange in that I thought emotional support. I have never considered emotional support as an act of generosity, uh, equivalent to service or money. So that's interesting. Um, But in terms of like who strongly associates with this stuff, um, let's go specifically to money. Okay, so money, if you're an elder, so you're older than a boomer. 30% 30% of people said that they strongly associate with, yeah, that's my generosity. Um, if you flip it and you go down to the millennials, only 13% of millennials say, hey, I strongly associate generosity with giving money. Uh, interesting. Which um, which is interesting because 31% of millennials say giving emotional support is what they associate it wow, with. Wow, wow. So, but even more so, millennials blow the doors off when they say hospitality. <laughs> millennials... Twenty-one percent of people of millennials said that they strongly associate the word generosity primarily with
1: hospitality. Which I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if I, if I, in good faith, if I interpret this, I bet what they're thinking is that their generosity is action. It's love and action. Sure. It's not just giving somebody a twenty-dollar bill and saying, "Hey, good luck." Right. Yep. That's my guess. That's right.
0: yeah. And so, contrarily, the elders, right? Fifty, fifty, half of the people said service is what they strongly. And then they go down, and money is their second highest. And hospitality—they're less than one percent of of elder people say. Yeah, "Yeah, generosity is hospitality, right? Um, Or even of seventeen, like emotional support is also very low. So generational, you can see, yeah, like it's kind of a love in action type of a thing. If we're if we're kind of interpreting it charitably, Um, love in action as opposed to I'm going to do an act of service and give my money away as a as a way of, of living generously. Right. So interesting some so, generational differences. so what
1: you're what you're illustrating here or at least um, measuring you is the way, when you talk about generosity and giving what you're what you're kind of putting your finger on here is that each generation understands giving and generosity in a different way right yeah so they forehand, yeah they don't all they don't all see it as pulling money out of your pocket right so if we're answering
0: the question is the church only interested in my money then if i'm if my, if I'm generationally, I think, well, generosity is beyond money and it's, it's primarily in an act of hospitality or even emotional support. If an organization is only talking about money, I'm naturally going to think, well, that's not a, you know, they don't care about generosity. They literally just care about my money.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't think I would have been able to predict that.
0: No. Instinctively. Um, Ironically, millennials (laughs) score the highest self-reported as, um, how generous am I with my money? So, hmm. so 30% of millennials say that they are very generous with
1: their money. Okay, so they believe giving is primarily hospitality. Yes. And But they, when asked about giving money, they, they self-report they st- that they give a lot. They still say that they are very generous wow. with my money. Okay. Yeah. So, Come on, millennials. That's right, yeah. So <laughs>
0: a lot nothing with, wrong with a little self-confidence in there. <laughs> um, so kind of generally speaking... Um, whether that's you know we look at non Christians and Christians alike, there's the generosity of giving money is not something that's necessarily common amongst Americans kind of across the board. Interesting. We're a little bit more. I mean, we've always said we're consumeristic, but
1: generally speaking, we're not really giving our money away yeah. as much as we. And individualism, think. right? Individualism yeah. is probably like take care of your own dreams first, yes. right? Yep. And the sense that, um, you know, I was reading some insight that came through um, uh, Tim Keller. Uh, recently. And um, I actually shared this on Sunday where Tim Keller makes the observation that um, the reason people are full of anxiety uh, is because they have dreams and they have achievements that they desire that they haven't reached yet. Right. And so uh, the reason why somebody may not be generous is because they have their own hopes, dreams, aspirations, and achievements that they are that they are focused on, it brings them great anxiety and they would naturally feel like they are unable to give outwardly because they're so inwardly focused on building their own kingdom, right? So in America, where else could you think of where there is more um, cherishing of the individual dream and, and kingdom building than... Than yep. you know, than than that than yep. our country.
0: Yep, and ironically, Keller works in the city. or he's in he's in Manhattan, and I mean the the city information is interesting because in generally in the city, their cost of living is ex- exponentially higher than in rural America, and their giving is significant in terms of monetary amount is very very low. Yeah. So whether it's generational, whether it's urban or rural, it doesn't it seems like across the board that individualism and that uh, sense of self-reliance and yeah. um, consumerism is not necessarily, it's not one generation to the next. It's not one area to the next. It's kind of across the board. Yeah. So people's generosity with money is not really consistent. Um, and then, so as we're in the church, we're like, oh, well, that's that, it's that dirty consumeristic society, right? right? We Christians were different, right? Yeah. Are uh, we, well, I mean, that's a, it's, we'll, we'll see, um, well, here's a there's a, a little bit, a couple numbers, a little more numbers, according to some a nonprofit uh, source. Uh, nonprofit source is actually the website. Um, they actually say when it, I mean, what's the one thing that everyone in the church kind of equates? You know, religious giving is kind of is has been and has always been the highest amount of money that's given. So when you think of charities oh, or nonprofits, okay. like it's church giving. Yeah, religion oh, okay. institutions are getting oh, gotcha. they're getting the, the the vast line share. Okay, right? um, so. When you and, and in the Christian circles in church, we talk about, what, tithing, right? That's generally kind of what we consider yeah. giving, like, as a, as a regular... So
1: tithing yeah. means a tenth, right. right? It's an Old Testament principle where they're instructed to give a tenth of their first fruits of the harvest, and set it aside, and give it, and right. put it in a storehouse um, first, right. right off the top, yep. right? So that's a principle that is in the Bible that helped the flourishing and prosperity of communities in the old Testament and in the new Testament. Um, uh, of course the, it, it changes from 10% to give your whole life, right? right? Give your whole everything. Right. But it's still used among, um, uh, a lot of Christian communities to measure a minimum guideline of giving right, to your yep. church family. Yep. And it's a, like a spiritual discipline where you're yes. giving your money on right. a regular basis. Right. Yeah, I'll talk more about that later. Yep.
0: And so, um, so that's generally you, you can kind of measure a Christian's generosity in their in their money. By the way, a tithe is a great kind of bellwether plumb line to see how they're doing it, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that if you're not tithing, you're not giving to other places, right. but generally. And so we can kind of see, it, well, how are Christians doing, right? Um, and we're not going to say this because we want to guilt anybody. If you're listening and you're like not tithing. Not or our style. Like that. Yeah, we're not interested in that. Yeah. But um, only only 5% uh, of Americans
1: tithe. and um, Yeah, see, I think that would surprise most Christians. Yeah? I do. I think that number would surprise most most Christians. Yeah, and I can hear the older generation saying, "Of course, the younger generation doesn't give anything." Sure, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like our generation yep. did. Those little punks. The providers and the sustainers look at the the younger folks and they're like, "But you know, most givers learn to give, and they are more comfortable giving as they accumulate more sure. uh, wealth yep. over time." Yep,
0: and eighty uh, percent of Christians give two percent of their income. Wow. Okay. So, that's okay. not necessarily even classified as a tithe, but they're going to give 2% of their income, right? Um, ironically, when surveyed, 17% of Americans say they regularly tithe. So, you know, a couple people who, <laughs> are, misfiring who are feeling convicted yeah. as they're taking out a right. little survey. Um, and then, you know, when you go up in income for families making 75 grand or, or above, um, 1% of them give at least 10%. So, we're, you go down one from, out of 100 one families, one out of 100 families gives that 10% benchmark. Um, um, and then this is an interesting one is that Christians are giving at a two and a half percent of their income, which is comparatively during the great depression. That was at 3.3%. Wow. Now there's all sorts of motivations, right? You yeah. All sorts of guilt and all that stuff. But yeah. even it's just the idea that in the midst of one of the worst economic collapses in our, um, in our right. country's history, people are giving at a higher percentage rate. Um, and then for the people who do give, this is interesting, that 77%, so almost 8 out of 10 who do tithe, they actually tithe like 11 to 20% of their income, which is more than that 10%. So they're giving like 80% oh, of the people right. who tithe, they're giving more than that kind of yeah. baseline plumb line 10% that's kind of unrecognized. So, interesting. So the people who give are given and um, the people who aren't are aren't. So what does this mean? It just means that again... It's not like it's a Christian thing and a non-Christian thing in terms of what does generosity and sa- and, and and sacrificially giving of our money. Right. It's across the board, Christian or non-Christian, generally speaking. Um, there's a, I think Christians probably do statistically give more, but it's not. You know, we're not blowing
1: the doors off in right. terms of a, a massive difference. So, so it's fair to say, you know, that the average Christian is focused on loving, forgiving, serving. Uh, maybe even being hospitable, but in their lifestyle, they have not embraced or they have generally not uh, learned or decided to be generous right. with, that, their, yeah. with their money. Yeah. And that that's,
0: is specifically, we can't measure you giving 500 bucks to your neighbor because right. they are in a financial totally. rate. That's not a tax deductible gift that's yep. measured by the government. So right. um, the numbers are could be misleading, but generally speaking, yes, um, there is a you know even for all of the the teaching on it and even for the, the 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 claim that the money is simply the church is simply trying to get you your they're not doing a very good job if the church
1: is trying to separate you from your money Yo, that, they're not doing a very good that job that is a of it, great so. observation yeah. that is a great observation so if if you or anyone you know or love perceives that the church is only out to get your money remind them or remind yourself right. they're doing a terrible, terrible that's job. Right. Yeah, of yeah, doing it's, it.
0: You're safe. Come on to church because you're safe. They're not gonna. No, hard, there's no, there's no timeshare yeah. pressure there. I like you know? the way you, so, you yeah. said that. So. No
1: one's separating you from your money. Yep. Uh, so, so here's my question: If that's true, which I think you just clearly demonstrated with real, measurable statistics, why would anybody think in our culture, you know, and why would anybody think that the church is only after? Their money, even uh, if they're in the church family, right. that's a part. That's a that's a, a fear.
0: Yeah, I th- well, I think there's a couple. But why things. is that? Yeah. Um, other than there's a real. A deep level of, you know, institutionally, there's not the the trust in institutions mm. is is gone. You don't gotcha. get, you don't have an immediate position of authority and trust just because you're connected to an institution like the church anymore. Okay, so a lack of trust, maybe even a growing suspicion. Yes, a growing suspicion. Okay, system. and so what? And maybe what's that suspicion and rooted in? And I'm not saying these are direct results, but there are some things that even I, um, you know, would sit there and think, okay, well, there's some validity to this based on some of these numbers. When you look at, like, like for example, like who are what are the richest churches? Like, what's the church doing with their monies? You That's like a good a question.
1: denomination just, or
0: yeah, just in general, sect? yeah, yeah, okay.
1: I mean, what do it you seems think is the, like the it would it would seem like I know the answer is going to be an institution that yeah. has tradition, but if I just scanned the horizon of our culture, it would seem like it's the mega church community that has multiple millions of dollars worth of facility and entertainment and production value and so on. Yeah. Yeah, But but to me, that's probably not the answer because it's so recent. It's probably going to be something uh, with, with actually with literally, decades or centuries of tradition.
0: Yeah. So let's start with the the modern people that you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Joel Osteen is probably the most well-known or one of the most well-known TV preachers, mm-hmm. right? His net worth is 50 million bucks, right? Mm. So that's not, you know, I mean, that's a lot of money, but he's not like, he's not Elon Musk. Um, right. But the question is, what what is the... What's a pastor who is pastoring a church doing with fifty million dollars worth of net worth? Right. And when when you look at the way in which people perceive hospitality or perceive generosity yeah. as all of these other things, um, and so uh, Joel Osteen's one modern day like a local or American guy, Creflo Dollar. I mean, you, <sighs> I mean you can't not every time I hear that name, you got if you're out of that name, you got to be. He literally has the 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 cringy dollar bill dan name that we exactly. gave you in his actual exactly. name exactly this is not ironic however that's no yeah but his net worth is 27 million dollars so he's on tv you know preaching and asking people to give him money and probably we'll talk about this in a second exploiting people for their money um but that's a lot of money but and so we can say well what are these people like joel ostend caught a lot of heat when uh, hurricane uh, i forget hurricane Ivan or something, uh, hit yeah. Houston. And he wouldn't, it seemed like he wasn't opening the doors of his church, his dream center, whatever he calls yeah. it. Uh, meanwhile, the, you know, as a, as a place of refuge until he got a lot of social pressure and eventually opened it. So you're like, neither yeah. are you're not either giving your money, your giant megachurch money, and you're not doing the hospitality and living generously. So there is a level of, okay, well, what are these TV preachers doing with the money that they're asking everybody for? Right. Um, but that's not even the richest
1: churches. So, you're, but those are the people we see on TV, yes. right? Yeah. So we, we're we're already cringing that that um, Joel and Creflo and others like them are receiving gifts and offerings and giving online right. or whatever for whatever ministry they're they're, yep. they're um, advertising.
0: Yep. And so you're right, historic, these historical associations and organizations are the ones that have the massive amounts mm-hmm. of money. So the Mormon Church comes in at number one as $100 billion net worth of Mormon Church. With a B? With a B, 100 oh, billion, oh, yeah. Oh. And the Mormon Church is pretty big, it's a global organization, oh, but $100 man. billion dollars is a lot of money. And so you could ask yourself, what are they, like, why does the Mormon Church need $100 billion, Where right? do they get $100 yeah, billion? Yeah. Dollars? Aren't, and, they, aren't they also,
1: owned, they own PepsiCo, right? do they i do. Oh, they do i know
0: they own like uh, ancestry.com and all that stuff
1: yeah right they there. own pepsi co oh. which is different from pepsi oh there's a pepsi co and a pepsi oh. something oh. but I'm yeah i drink urging pepsi again <laughs> is that right I don't know.
0: um but yeah i mean so there you go uh, the question is and most people you know don't most you know lay people in the world they're not they're they're looking at the, the mormon church and the American Evangelical Church and kind of blumping them in the same place, right? Sure. Um, and the Mormons are pretty strict about like being in right standing. You got to compare mm. like your W-2 and then they have specific big cathedrals that you're not Ooh. allowed in if you're not giving your money. So so that's how you do it. Well, they're actually really good at Getting your tithe. Separating you. Yep. Uh the next one's Catholic Church in the Vatican, so that's the one specifically in, in Italy and yep. Rome, that's thirty-three billion. Catholic Church wow. in Germany, twenty-six billion. Catholic Church in Australia australia is weird wow. uh, twenty-four billion. Wow. Right. And uh and then the Church of England, okay. which take you know, broke away from the Catholic Church, but it's a it's an international church, is ten billion. All so. right, if
1: you were to if you were to ask me, this is off the top of my head, if you were to say, Dan the, the richest church denomination in the world. I don't think I would have said the Mormons. Yeah. And I definitely would not have guessed or even believed that if you added up the Catholic Church, Vatican, Germany and Australia, that all of those billions would not even right, yeah. be as much as the Mormon church. <laughs> right,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I think it's a pretty good testament to what we joked about the you know, the evangelical church not being good at you know, they're terrible at taking your money. But when you put, when you layer on a level of legalistic kind of moralism oh, that the yeah. Mormon church does, you yeah. can see where that, you can see both on two ends, right? Joel Osteen and Creflo Dollar, they are, we'll talk about prosperity gospel in a second, but they're the prosperity kind of that end. But then the Mormons are kind of like the strict legalist yeah. do it. And that's, you know, again, that is a very effective way
1: of. Sure. Of um, you know, getting that it's 10%. a right of passage, right? You're on the inside if you give, and if you don't, you're not in right standing. You're on the outside, right? Yep. Yeah.
0: And so that's so. So again, you, the the whole point being, you can look at these very large Christian institutions, and you can say, well, what are they doing with all this money, and why do they need all this money? And you know, the Catholic Church, you can say, why are they building these gigantic things? Why do they have to have all of the? You know? And so it seems like the church is interested in taking your money, hmm. right? And only interested in taking your money. Um, because they have to live a, a relatively lavish lifestyle, um, but then also I think most people, um, most people today, there's another reason also that most people today, I think they are comparing nonprofits, and I think not, you know, financial stewardship is a big deal today. And there's lots of nonprofits who are ripe to exploit people, and the best ones do a great job of um, of transparency and describing how they actually use their money. And so you can't look at the Catholic Church books. You and I can't look at the ch- Catholic ch- Church books and say, how are you spending that money? We can't look at the Mormon books and say, how are you spending that $100 billion? But for every other nonprofit, generally speaking, we are we are asking, how are they spending their money? And you might have done this if you ever go to, like, a restaurant or a coffee shop, and you're like, would you like to round up to this, this, or that? Mm. I sometimes, I'm wondering, who is this charity, and how are they, what percentage of their money are they spending right. on oh, the yeah. actual kids or oh, the actual totally. people, right? Yep. Um, And so some of the best organizations, Convoy of Hope is one that we, they, they describe, they tell us how much they, they spend on administrative, and the the goal is to spend the least amount on administrative fees and the most amount to the people that the charity is They're a four-star rating. That's right. In that. uh... Yep. And so there's like, there's some organ, like for example, American Red Cross, they spend 8%, 8% of its revenues on administrative and fundraising expenses. So that's a pretty low percentage. It means lots of it, the, the money is going to the actual people that need it. Right. Uh, World Vision's 14%, Compassion International's 16%. All this to say is that the church, generally speaking, they spend 82% of the average church's budget is in personnel and administrative costs. Yep. And so... If you're just going to, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but most people, if we're looking at it from the outside in, we're saying, well, look at all these other nonprofits and charities. They are giving like their 10 percent is a great benchmark for um, an organization that's that's giving the money to the people who actually need it. And then the church shows up and they're spending on average 82 percent on people and the- and I think people are just looking at it from the outside saying, well, that's not right. Like they're just yeah. paying themselves. It's a nonprofit right. scam that they just collect exactly. the money, it's tax exempt and then they pay themselves salaries and right. that's how they're doing it, right? Yep. So, um might be a little piece to it, but it's an interesting thing to say. I I, I kind of interested me when I when I when I researched it and I found it, I was like, oh, that's a, that is an interesting uh, way of looking at it. So there's a couple of things. Why would I? Why are we asking? Why would I think that people are only the church is only concerned with taking my money? The church has lots of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a lot of these big ones. Um, a lot of times they are manipulative, and and people like Joel Osteen or Creflo Dollar and these these TV evangelists are manipulative. Um, and then a lot of times the you know the the comparisons that we use culturally for assessing a charity or a nonprofit's um, you know stewardship are not an apples apples comparison. And the, the measurements are kind of very different. Yeah.
1: So that makes sense.
0: And so the last thing we say is is you know well what are in the in the Christian world there's a couple of things that are really dangerous in in contributing to this. Like there are things that the Christian world does that contribute to. Building up the the mythology or the idea that we're only interested in your money. Oh,
1: totally, and and that's the same places that are cringy for me. Yeah. as a part of the church, right? Yep. I go, oh, these these people represent us. Yep. this is why people feel the way they do about whether the, that the church is only ever after your cash. Yep,
0: and and I think the biggest one, and you probably agree with this, is the idea of the prosperity gospel, which is a, a rampant yeah. American what we would call a false doctrine that's also spreading throughout the world through that Latin America and right. through Africa and prosperity gospel. Do you want to, can you describe it in a, in a sentence yeah, or two? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's the idea that if you give, um, that um, if you give financially, that you will, you will get a return um, um, materially, right? Yeah. That uh, in some ways what it is, is if you, um, want something? You have to give something You want something from God? You have to give something to God. That's right. Yeah. And I've always kind of categorized it as a life enhancement uh, program, right? Yep. You 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 demonstrate a little bit of faith by giving a little bit of money. You should expect that that's going to be rewarded by God. So it's an ex, it's a transaction. Yep. And that's it's a
0: sh- I, there's a, sh- a shocking number of percentage of Christians who who subscribe to this idea. Um, overall. 61% of Americans agree with the idea that God wants people to be prosperous. Mm. Now, that's a general question, but it is it is in the context of um, this prosperity gospel money conversation. Yeah. So
1: that seems like a lot. A lot of it based on one verse in uh, 3 John 3, John 2, and uh, John writes, may your soul prosper. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, as, um, as you prosper in all these other areas. Yep. So
0: 61% believe that God wants me to be prosperous. Um 31% say they they espouse the idea that if I give my money to God, God will bless me with more money. So 1 in 3 says if I give my money to God, I'm yeah. actually going he's going to give me more money in return. Yeah, wow. Um, as a mathematical formula, and then you so know, it's like a
1: spiritual get-rich-quick
0: scheme, right? There, yeah. There's yeah. like terms that they use, like here's give a seed faith donation, right. and you're going to receive a seven to ten times return, yeah, on it, stuff like that.
1: It also it also explains why the prosperity gospel has caught on in very impoverished countries, yawn. It's because they perceive it to be God's way of helping you get rich, yeah, and the the incentive for this get richness is american christians they see right. american christians who are wealthy right especially the the, the teacher or yep. the uh proverbial televangelist and they're like oh look at that lifestyle this must be the spiritual sanctified version of a get rich quick scheme and it's obviously sanctioned and sanctified and uh validated by god himself right, right? this yep. is his idea so yep. they f- they uh, the impoverished countries which by the way prosperity gospel is I mean, I I shouldn't say this because I don't have the numbers in front of me. But last I knew, it was wildfire. Yeah, yep. And it's
0: and it's so insidious because even for everything that bad, everything bad that happens financially, it is usually connected to some sort of lack of personal generosity or some sort of sin. It's like your prosperity financially is because you yourself are not being, you're not giving enough to God, right? And or there's some sort of sin in your life. You need to reconcile that. Right. Your faith is too small. That's right. So so i mean between these other between a bunch of these different um realities it's not again we started by saying it's a legitimate concern and a legitimate question is is the church only interested in my money and when i listen to a prosperity gospel preacher or even when i listen to you know someone who's kind of dabbles in it but doesn't officially say these types of things um i think it sure as heck sounds like they're they're only interested in my money um and so that's why we even have a hard time talking about stuff like this, even in a podcast, because the yeah. second we start talking about it is yep. that people may start assuming that, well, they're only talking about it because
1: they want our money. Right. Thanks a lot, uh, prosperity teacher evangelist. Yeah, exactly. By the way, one of the ways that they hide it is they, they, um, they express to you that they care for you because they have a hotline, a prayer hotline, mm-hmm. right? So they care about you. I'm going to pray for you and... You also have the opportunity to give to me right. and, and, and then what, it doesn't take a, a, a whole lot of effort to notice that the transaction is this. I'm going to pray for a miracle for you. And if you, and by the way, here's how to give to me. Right. Right. <laughs> Can anybody, is there anybody who doesn't see that connection? Right? right. I want results from my prayer. Thank you for letting me call you and, and, and have you pray for me. Yep. Um, and I recognize that it probably would serve me well if I gave to you. Yeah. It's a modern day exploitation like back in the Catholic
0: Church, right? Yeah, you know, give your money and just yep. give your money and then we'll pray for you and they'll yeah. be fine, right? Amazing. So so we uh, you know, we we acknowledge that this is a, a massive problem. And it's a massive problem. And why does this whole thing matter to Christians? Well, it should be self evident why the question is the church only interested in my money matters to Christian is primarily because, you know, we don't we want people to be primarily concerned that the church is concerned about them and their well-being right. and their flourishing, connected to the idea that their identity is found in God and they find salvation in God and in, in through Christ, and that their life and their identity is rooted in that? Right. Um, and so we don't want something else, something to be competing for that um, for that main idea. And there are a lot of false gospels out there, and this prosperity one being a very insidious one that has kind of, that's very sneaky and it builds, its, it works its way into our churches. Um, and we want to be different than other people as we lived what we describe in North Central Church as transformed lives, right? We're transforming our world, but that's, yeah. we're only transforming our world because we ourselves have been transformed
1: and we're living differently when we're reflecting the generous character of exactly. our God. So Exactly. And we'll mention a few other ways in which the church has a, reputation for uh, or the perception is being grown or um, projected that the church just wants to take your money right, right. so prosperity gospel is one low-hanging fruit example right. yeah. of what people see on tv or what they've traditionally seen on television yep.
0: but it's also an intri- it's also a, an important part to warn against the idea that being generous not being generous with my finances is totally fine like yeah. like I'm I'm generous in all these other ways there's actually a, st- a stream of thought that um, it's like well I I pay my taxes and I and so that's my generosity I'm taking care of the I'm taking care of the the, the least of these right, right. And so I don't have to give any money wow. to any of these other charities because I'm paying my taxes and the government's doing it on our behalf and if I didn't pay my taxes those people's needs would not be met
1: wouldn't that be an interesting conversation to speak with someone who believes that the more you give to the government the more you help People with real legitimate needs. In other words, like there's people who believe that that the government is is the are the people who you trust to do that. That Is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's a a fascinating conversation. Yeah,
0: and I and I and I think we are not the don't pay your taxes. We're obviously on the pay your taxes train, Um, but also um, saying simply that well, my generosity is simply in giving emotional support or hospitality or even an act of service, those are all great, but, um, you know, that's probably not enough because Jesus does talk about money a lot. And so being, living generously with our money is an important piece, but you get to tell us like all about that. And like, well, how do you, what do you do? Like, what do you, how do you actually transform all this stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I hope that I've got a couple of different streams here. I'm going to dive into won't be long, but, but I think, um, it might be a lot. So, I would, I certainly uh, authorize listening to this section in bits and pieces if you try to take it in in any half way, shape, speed. or form. <laughs> right. so slow it down yeah. to half speed,
0: yeah. you'll be here for the next four hours. <laughs> exactly. But,
1: no. uh, but most people would be surprised, I think I'm surprised, um, to find out how much Jesus talked about people's individual wealth. Um. You know, because Christians should view—again, this is why we do the Salted Podcast—Christians should approach this and see this topic differently than non-Christians. And our view of this topic should be transformed by knowing God and understanding God. And a part of understanding God in this topic is to recognize that Jesus talked about money so often. In fact, he discussed the topic of money more than he talked about faith— and prayer if you combine them um I, that's a lie i think you're lying well do the research oh. count <laughs> all the that? verses Young, i counted them you go ahead and count them. tell me what <laughs> you, you come up letters. with letters and also 16 of 38 parables were concerning how to handle money and wealth that's possessions 16 of 30 that's more than lot. half of his parables were about dealing with your own wealth right so It's impossible to be a conscientious, serious disciple who follows Jesus and reject any teaching or talking about wealth and possessions. Mm. You can't do you can't do it. It was it was that important to Jesus. So it's that important to Christians. So that puts us in a position as church leaders to say to be a biblical church leader, you have to teach what Jesus taught. You have to live how Jesus lived, and you have to internalize and embrace the principles that He taught. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as a church leader, if you if you teach biblically, right out of the Bible, you're going to be dealing with this topic a lot. I think is where I want to start, right? Um, so, and you know, here's a here's a way here's an easy way to um, I think start let's let's ask this question um and i think it's fair to ask if you ask the question does the church only ever want your money i would have a follow-up question to help understand this does the red cross only ever want your money does united way want your money does the ymca want your money i mean even the i bet you the spca wants your money The red cross wants your money and your blood that's so it's both. Yeah, and the really church doesn't it. want your yeah. blood. Yeah. I mean, come on, <laughs> we, we 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 celebrate Jesus' blood. <laughs> yeah. We don't want your blood. We already have enough yeah. blood around here. Exactly. So, um, so the answer to the question, does the Red Cross, United Way, YMCA, and SPCA want your money? The answer is yes. But I think it's more important to def- to, to say this that they don't necessarily want your money. All those nonprofit organizations need your money. I don't know if they're all nonprofit. Right. But they need your money. And so are there some dishonest, greedy, and cor- uh, corrupt church leaders who only want your money? Of course. Right. Um, we mentioned some, televangelists, um, prosperity gospel churches. By the way, speaking of prosperity gospel churches, I, I read not too long ago, i am literally within the past couple of years, that Benny Hinn was mm-hmm. on a repentance tour recently. Oh. Did you know that? No. If you don't know who Benny Hinn is, just pause and go look him up. Yeah, so. <laughs> and he was uh, repenting for his teaching uh, prosperity gospel that now, he believes with the help of his um, grandson or nephew. Hmm. Um, I think his name is Coasty um, uh, Coasty Hinn. He's a church planter, I think, last I knew. See,
0: you you want to know the problem? Here's the problem. You know what I think of? What? You're like, he's on a repentance tour. I'm like, this dude found one last hustle. Yeah, yeah, he's I like I would take a tour, and I'm, a, I'm just joking. But I'm, I know a, and I we know. believe that the Jesus can transform people, and
1: so obviously I we, know. We, we would trust that that has happened. Well, um, what he's saying is he took the teaching too far. Right, that yeah. there's some truth in it. Sure. Right, that when you give, you should expect that God is going to bless you. Mm. He took it too far. Yeah, that's so that's good. to me that's fascinating. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, anyway, so some there are some dishonest, greedy, and, and corrupt church leaders, and and they literally uh, profit from the gospel message Mm -hmm. right and paul warned about that yeah um in fact um i think about this is actually hits home for me because i grew up in a home where uh i had a mom who was an avid tv preacher Mm -hmm. follower um and uh i still remember this very very vividly that my mom would talk about or watch this guy that was um uh, i won't even mention his name because i don't want to send people into a tailspin. Uh, but, he, but she followed this prosperity, all, all of them on television, really. And and I remember her um, ex- talking about giving a vow of faith, right? It was a $1,000 vow of faith. And we were a very, very uh, modest family, mm-hmm. uh, lower socioeconomic uh, category or, or level for sure. And, and I remember my mom talking about this vow of faith, $1,000 vow of faith, $1,000 vow of faith. And I also I actually got the impression that my mom was giving multiple thousands mm-hmm. of dollars uh, as a vow of faith, and then one day she hands me an envelope, slides it across the the countertop, and she says, "Here's my increase." So I opened it up, and inside of it is this inside the envelope, Yon, <laughs> it's a insurance a refund check for seventy five dollars. My mom calls it an increase. I'm no
0: investor, but uh,
1: I am not a mathematician. Like my Ma- mother not
0: quite a return. It, huh?
1: There is a word for that. It's called a decrease. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So get this, in her economy, in her mind, in her eyes of faith, she gave and gave and gave at least $1,000 to a televangelist. And then when she gets an unexpected refund of $75, she sees it as God responding to her faith and sending her this unexpected miracle. Right. But did she get 13 of those different rebates? Yeah, exactly. And also... And also, did she get a thank you note from the televangelist for paying for his beach homes for beach homes on around the world on all the coasts of all the Costa she? Rica? She did no. not. She did not. Um, at least she didn't. She didn't. Um, so my mom's approach, right. uh, my mom's approach um, exposed me to the dishonest, greedy corruption. Sure. Right. And if the, of course, this is not the greedy corruption of a local church this is a parachurch you know celebrity preacher right a tv preacher and now on the local church side i remember my dad being so uptight about giving that um he would when the offering plate came by on sunday morning which would be traditional way to receive this giving right this offering plate comes by it was a bag my dad would he was so secretive about his giving that he he would have already anticipated this offering bag coming by, and he had taken whatever bill, probably a dollar bill, which is where I get my That's my, street nickname, name, yeah, my street right, name, my street name. And he would fold it up, yon know, origami style. It was so small, <laughs> so no small tiny. It he is, could but. fold his fingers over and completely cover up the 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 origami giving, and he would dip his hand into the bag and let go of it. And pull his empty hand out, so you had no, you didn't see what right. bill it was that was dropping in because he was so secretive about. It. I also recognize my dad was given a dollar to the local church or whatever he was right. given one do- one bill, right? Because my mom had given the rest right. of away. Yeah. <laughs> so, literally, this is so. This is my widow's mite. Right? Exactly, <laughs> so. exactly. So I don't know who had more faith. I don't know right, if it was yeah. my mom for giving <laughs> thousands true. or my dad for giving the only thing that he had left yeah. in his pocket. I have no idea, but I was very much. Uh, uh, exposed to what I, what I would describe as dishonest, greedy, uh, corrupt church leaders or uh, quote-unquote quote unquote church leaders yeah. on television, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and really, you should be able to detect some danger if you're at a local church or I'm not even going to talk about TV preachers. Do I have to talk about that in this topic? Can I just, I mean, as far as looking for danger, yeah. is it safe to say if you don't know someone, personally. Right. You're not a part of their leadership. Right. Giving to that person uh individually is extremely yeah. risky. Yeah, we would recommend it. It's not the extremely risky. thing we recommend yeah. against it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even know how to translate this Preachers and Sneakers Instagram account to where the local church leaders have these multiple thousands of dollars worth of, oh, yeah. worth I of shoes. I saw
0: kicks. I was like, well, those are like $1,800 shoes. Well,
1: you can find out exactly how much they are because yep. Preachers and Sneakers no. on Instagram follows them all and puts the what they paid for them and what they're worth and whatever. But anyway, so it's, it's just... Um, it's just a. Um, it's so dangerous um, to just give to a celebrity sure. person, right? Yep. So, so here's a sign of danger. If you're at a local church and you're wondering, "Is this church just want my money?" Here's one sign of danger: is that the ask for giving is driven by fear. Right? Fear that if you don't give, uh, you you might be confronted by a person in the church. You might be confronted via letter, mm-hmm. or you might be condemned um, by God, and that's that's a real telltale sign right. that, that there is a that there is a uh, major issue with separating people from their money. So, giving driven by fear, and also another danger sign of the church is giving that's driven by favor. Mm. If you give, you will receive perks. You'll get insider access. You'll get special treatment. You'll get special. Right. God will rain down blessings on you, and. So favor and fear are signs of danger at a church. But listen, here's here's this is also true, right? We know that there are corrupt, um, there are corrupt churches, dishonest and and greedy. Um, but the truth is that even honest churches need money, right? Yeah, right. So I think here's how I would say it: I as a church leader don't want your money, right? But as a church, we need money, yeah, right. And, um. So all churches need money. They are not funded by the government. Churches are not producing a profitable product, unless you count these sweet uh, trucker hats that we're selling. Yeah, unless you count this podcast, which is
0: blowing the doors off. Financially. Which is free. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's currently we're anyway. running a net deficit every year, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. Um, it uh
1: the church churches are not meeting needs for free, right? right? Um, and also, churches are not much different than local schools that are conducting programming, giving, helping people. Uh, there is leaders, church leadership. There's, a, it, it, there's facilities, and if the facility is flourishing, all of those have related costs to sure. them. Yep. And in that case, you know the schools have a tax base right. to provide classroom learning and yep. community building yep. and the flourishing of those students. And the, yeah. and the leadership of the school administratively and, and, and uh, right. Um, institutionally, yeah. right? Well, the church has very similar um, community, programming, giving, needs, leadership in a facility, right. and there's no government funding. There's right. no, it's fact, very
0: different than other, other charities and other nonprofits, right? Like World Vision or something like yeah. that, like everyone's no one is giving to world vision and then expecting someone from world vision to check on them and right. give them premarital counseling. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like the, the yeah. burden of like all the stuff that's required for the local church leadership to actually be an effective for sure. minister and equipper of the gospel. It's really a high touch thing. And so totally even like we said earlier, looking at the, like a, a non, another nonprofit compared to how they spend their money in the church. It's, it's yeah so different.
1: That's so true. Um, so there is a biblical method of funding a local church. Uh, it, it, it surprisingly, you know, maybe not surprisingly, it is not a TV telethon. Um, that's good because we haven't done one of those yet. No, so. we're, we're, we're um, working on our podcast telethon. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's not true. So the biblical method of funding is, th- it's pretty simple. It's the generous giving of church family members. It is, if you participate in it, you contribute to it. Um, and one way to think of it is that God has this idea that the local church would be funded in a very similar way that a family provides a Thanksgiving dinner or celebrates or enjoys a Thanksgiving dinner. And that is this, that like Thanksgiving meal with your family, everyone brings something. Every con- everyone can contribute a little something, which translates into everyone eating a lot. Hmm. So if everybody right. contributes a little, in the end, everybody gets a lot. Right. It's very similar to how God has structured the biblical funding of a local church family, um, and you know, based on a Christian worldview, if you look at if you look at um, giving from a Christian worldview, you're going to come across the word stewardship, hmm. and stewardship is important for Christians because stewardship means a manager of God's wealth, and I want to point out that the word manager is on purpose. It's God's wealth, and Christians are managing that wealth, right. believing that all the things come from God. Right. All the our bank account is what it is because God's provided it. We uh, when we provide a meal on the table, it's come from the ground and it's right. come from the resources that God has created for us to eat and enjoy. So we we believe from a Christian worldview, we believe that all our wealth is God's wealth. And we get the privilege of stewarding it or managing it, so we don't own it. Right. So that technically, that means when I give to the local church, I'm not giving of money and resources that I own. Right. I'm actually managing God's resources, and I'm contributing to His work with His money. Right? Yeah. So that's that's an important, uh, I think, initial step to understand generosity. Right. Without that, it seems like. I'm getting my resources pried out of my hand. Right, yeah. Right. And it also means that I say, well, I only have a limited uh, amount. Yeah. Because if I own it, I know how much I own. It's very limited. But if I'm just stewarding something that God owns, God owns everything, his infinite resources at his disposal that he gives me a portion of, then I can say, well, uh, I may see under my care I've got a limited amount, but I actually... I'm just managing resources for my owner who owns an infinite supply, yep. right? So that's, that's important when we look at that. So that's where we get the idea that, you know, tithing is a guideline. It's a, it's a tenth of your um, first fruits. So um, that's an agriculture term, right? So, um, and that's a guideline to help Christians who are growing in this area of generosity to be able to measure faithful, consistent giving, right? So the tithe says, if you tithe, and I like to say, I don't. I'm not quite sure in the New Testament you could say that number tenth is the right, number. Right. I think that uh, in the New Testament you could make the case that um, giving faithfully, regularly, in proportion to what you give, a percentage uh, for a lot of people, it starts low and over the years it grows bigger. And uh, but uh, the percentage, the tenth, is just a, seems like a, a reasonable starting point sure. for some people. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then beyond that would be just offering uh, special needs that people have, giving spontaneously. But the tithe is the way biblically that in the Old Testament that the resources were gathered to contribute to the community, and in the New Testament also works but some would say well in the new testament jesus said and, and paul says this in romans chapter 12 verse 1 that you give your whole life you, you mm-hmm. the, the now the now jesus sets the standard for generosity and it's not just giving a tenth of your income it's giving your whole life right and then in the book but of that, acts we doll? see that's it sorry that's it yeah that's it oh, okay <laughs> yeah i talk about uh I talk about a uh, um trying to figure out how to get that message out in a in a tangible or a uh, palatable way right, publicly yeah, i mean totally. zing uh so so uh, really quick i want to mention three things that biblical generosity is um in biblical generosity there's three tests that we see in the new testament that biblical generosity is a love test hmm. in second corinthians chapter eight uh paul's writing to the church at corinth and he said i'm not commanding you to do this giving but i am testing how genuine your love is for others hmm. what yeah. he says is look this church is given and i want you to give too and i'm not commanding you to but but do recognize that this is a test for your love for other people your giving your generosity tests how committed your love is as to whether or not it's just merely words right. or if it's love and action. yeah. So giving is a good way for people to say, this is how much I love people, my church family, other church families, my giving measures right. how yeah. much uh, I'm willing to actually express my love and in action instead of words. And it's also in the New Testament a treasure test. Biblical generosity is a treasure test for where their heart has placed its trust. Jesus mm-hmm. talks about that. He said, if you want to discover what your heart cherishes, inspect where your treasure yeah, goes. Totally, yeah. You you can tell what someone loves, where their trust is, what their hope is, where they find comfort, and where they find security. Just inspect where they're spending their money. Yeah. And so Jesus says that's mm-hmm. basically a treasure test. Yeah. Uh, and then Paul writes this letter to young Timothy, who's a church leader, and here's what he says about um, teaching. Um, he says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, But also not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Mm. So the local church would say... um, Our church family is full of those kinds of people who have needs. Right, yeah. And that giving good works and giving money is a way in which you're testing where your treasure's at. Do I trust in my wealth or do I trust in God who provides everything I need? So. Which that's, kind of
0: validates the whole emotional support, acts of service, hospitality as it does. as, as totally. giving generously. But yep. it doesn't disclude the financial
1: element Correct. as well. Yeah. That's so, that's Those very, millennials very, know the Bible better than everybody. Listen, they are, they are leading... I should their, say we millennials. They're top tier. Yeah. Can, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Trigger All of a testing. sudden you're including yourself in that category, <laughs> yeah. I noticed. Only when it's beneficial. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the last test, um, again, I'm talking about biblical generosity. Uh, it's, it, it, it's a love test, giving. It's a treasure test, and it's also an excellence test. And this is this is a fascinating portion of scripture. Again, Paul's writing in Second Corinthians chapter 8. He's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says to them, "Since you excel." In so many ways, and then he lists how they excel. You excel in your faith. You're gifted speakers. You can just picture this in a local church, right? All these people full of faith, and they're full. They have the gifted speakers that come across the platform and they talk and teach and preach. And you're gifted in, in, and you excel in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm. You can picture these, you know, um, vibrant contemporary churches. And you excel in your love from us, right? We totally love you. And then he goes. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. And it, it just strikes me that you don't probably have to encourage people to excel in their speaking, their knowledge, their faith, and their enthusiasm. Right. But you probably have to make an extra line in your letter to say, good for excelling in all that, right. but don't forget, you should also excel in your giving. Hmm. Because our heart is is inclined to take, not necessarily to give. Yeah. Our hands are... are tend to be closed for our own individual yep. good, oftentimes the right reasons. Um, and it would take a work of God or a work of a church leader to say, don't forget to keep your hands open, your heart mm-hmm. open. Um, and that translates into opening up your, your wealth. So, but there are tons of ch- mistakes that uh, are made among churches. And um, I think this might be a good way to close this segment out, you know, and just, and just help people remember that, there are money mistakes that are easy to make when you are living your life among church, a mm. church family. Yeah. And one is giving directly to a preacher. Uh, I've already mentioned it, but it's far more, I think, biblical and it's a far less risky to give to a local church that uh, all all the churches I can think of that are healthy. um they have layers of protection to make sure that your right. giving goes to the in, intended and sure. in, in, in yep. biblical place. Yep, that preacher doesn't get to do whatever they want with exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. It's not a slush fund for right. the for the preacher. Um, and and secondly, uh, here's another money mistake. If you live your life among churches as a Christian, giving to get something back. Hmm. If the giving is to get something back, special treatment, special favor from God, that's a that's a big mistake. Um, that's a whole separate teaching, uh, on that. I think that, that, uh, we won't take the time to get into now, but, um, there's reasons to give and it shouldn't be to get something back, special treatment or special favor. Um, also mo- another money mistake is to give for the wrong reasons. Um, to give because of guilt, right? I make sacrifices so I won't have to carry the guilt I'd feel for saying no. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give so I don't feel bad. Right. Yeah. That's the wrong way to give. And also giving for glory. I make sacrifices because someone might notice and think more highly of me. I'm going <laughs> to open up that hand and show that $100
0: that's bill. right. And yeah. drop it in Unfold that, that origami right, yeah. bill. Yeah, Show that Throw hundred. it up at the pastor. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, now, healthy Christians aren't going to give from guilt or, gl- or to get glory, but they're going to give from gratitude, which is basically this. I am so thankful for all that God has given me that I'm literally overwhelming. My heart, my cup overflows. My my heart is overflowing with generosity. And I, I express my gratitude as like the self-giving worship of God. He's given me everything and I'm just giving a portion back. So healthy Christians give based on all that they've received, the richness that they've gained through knowing God, through Jesus, right? That they don't need anything else. They can give it all away because what right. they m- need most, God's provided for them. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, another mistake is giving uh, and, and, and being money-focused rather than um, generosity and heart-focused, right? To be focused on giving and money rather than being focused on generosity and my heart. Hmm. That's um, that's another uh, easy mistake to make that happens among churches. So my hope is that that's helpful and practical right. along with a, uh, getting a better view theologically of what churches are after. Churches. Let me, let me summarize it this way. Most church leaders I know, which are most of the churches I've ever come across, just the regular run of the mill local church. They don't want your money. They need right. your money. Right? Yeah. They don't want it for corrupt reasons. They want it for legitimate reasons. Right. Yeah. And that it just so happens that the Bible teaches uh, all the principles, philosophy, and worldview about how God has provided a method to. Support a local church, meet needs of people, mm-hmm. and let the church flourish. And it comes from members who are among the church family who give faithfully. Right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah,
0: and it's a yeah. So as you said, um if you want to re-listen to that, go back rewind it. You know, it's it's not it's not a bunch of heavy stuff, but it's a lot of great information, a lot of good stuff to say. Okay, well, why? And it's not something that we. I mean. We don't dislike talking about it, but we don't like talking about it because we are aware of yep. the of the question that people are asking: exactly. Is are they
1: only out for my money? Perfectly said. And um, you know what it's like? Yeah. It's like parents who know they have to talk about their talk to their kids about sex. What? Yeah, I have to do that eventually. See what I mean? <laughs> See what I mean?
0: Isn't that what YouTube is for? Or something? Yeah, um, yeah.
1: So that's the idea, right? You know? That they don't necessarily want to do that, right. but you know, you need to. Yep. because it's it's helpful for the kid sure to know and understand these things yep. it's yep. not helpful for them not to know or so that's that's in some ways yeah it's our uh, resp- and that's it's the our last responsibility time. too the responsibility
0: right. to say how do you you know equip the the church
1: and that'll be the last time i ever make that metaphor um yeah thanks use for that again ruining the end of the podcast (laughs) let's save it with some personal preferences
0: yeah personal preferences um because your dollar bill dan it's a new world it's a new digital age and if you i know you're not a starbucks fan because you're a a bit of a coffee snob and um but did you know evidently you can no longer pay with cash at starbucks
1: that is it's here
0: it's here and arrived. and so the question before you is: If you had a choice, uh, would you like to pay? Su- you'd like to pay stuff with cash, with an actual credit card, a traditional ca- credit card, or with something like an Apple Pay?
1: Yeah, this is so easy. Uh, I mean, uh, it would be Apple Pay, or it would be you know one whatever like paying with my phone, hmm. whatever source I've connected to. The mark paying with the mark of the beast. Yeah, yeah exactly. So digital currency. Okay. Yes. Um, and we're totally into, uh, all the risks and, and, uh, uh, epic, <laughs> um, traps that are on the way with digital payment. But, um, I, I often say when, uh, I've struck up a conversation with somebody at a cash out, I've, I often say it's never been easier to spend my money. It's true. Literally double click. Yep. Gone. It's gone. What yeah. about you? Uh, well, I'm in the. It's weird. When I have cash in my pocket,
0: I don't even treat it like real money. I just spend really? it so frivolously. Really? It's ridiculous. Like, yeah, hey, it's just cash. what is this stuff? You know? Really? So But I've been in the digital I mean, because I was a Marine, my bank was um it didn't have any local it's USAA, so there's oh. no local branches, right? So everything I've done has always been digital. Like I gotcha. like the last ten years I've been depositing checks. Okay. I've been way ahead of the game. So that whole idea of like a traditional banking system's been kind of foreign to me. But I I mean I I do like I do like just double clicking my app. Everywhere I go, I don't bring my credit cards. And if they yeah. don't have a, if they don't take Apple Pay, I'm like, well, I guess my friend is paying for me and I Apple pay them,
1: you know? Yeah. So um, that's it's just, so my, true. just my preference. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think in a lot of ways, this was true for uh, our whole society. The pandemic shutdown really f- pressed people, forced people into considering more uh, sure. um, digital transactions, yep. paying with an app and, Yep,
0: And as a total aside, I'm a cryptocurrency guy, so when everyone's like, oh, you believe in that digital yeah. fake money, I'm like, what do you think your money is? It's all digital fake money anyways. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, well, you're a good millennial leading the charge. That's but, right. Um, I'm a good millennial,
0: 40-year-old millennial. So, But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, send your checks to dollarbilldan.com. Dot dot that's right. That's what we should Anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Give us a like, give us a share, a review. That helps other people find it. And uh, we'll catch you next time. So long. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.